time, weather, and... so excited for today and you're going to hear all about it. But a lot of times when I have people on the podcast, it's either people that I'm friends with or that, you know, people I found along my spiritual journey. This is kind of both. Uh, so I'm so excited. Please help me welcome astrologer, uh, the lover of all things healing. Please welcome Julian Elizabeth. Oh, Hello. Hi. How Thank are you for you? having me. Of course. Um, I'm good. You astrologer, right? Do you have any other nomenclature that you go by? Any other identities right now? Yeah, you know, I feel like it's always a little tough to come up with something catchy because I do so much, but I'm an astrologer, a yoga nidra guide. I teach teachers and I work with people who are on a path of feeling more free in their lives and in their bodies. And there's lots of different ways that I have been able to progress on my path, find a lot of tools that have helped me. And my favorite way to gather tools is to learn how to share them. I think we learn better that way. So I just love getting to work with people and support their journeys. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's why I, th there is the term practitioner that I like a lot. Like, I feel like all the things, if somebody was really like, what do you do? I would love to be like, I'm a practitioner of the arts. Mm. Like, I feel like that, like I'm constantly, you know, like in practice of that, but I feel like I do so I like many that. different things. Right. I tend to use facilitator. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. So facilitate practice all go. the things. I love it. Show so, up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just show up on the days that I don't want to. Yeah. I feel, I was talking about that with somebody earlier and they're like, they're like, I don't know if it's just from being a millennial, but sometimes I do feel that like I should get an award. And I was like, yeah, you should. Life is hard. You know, why can't we all have boards? I'm like, you know, or ribbons, at least something, you know, I mean, you, you actually can, you can just buy a ribbon. Why, why don't we all get a ribbon for making it through? Especially like recently, I feel like it's just been so wild. Um, okay, so what's so special to me about you for so many things, because you are such a special person in my life, um, was, and I met you, that would have been, oh, 2014? 2014, the okay. summer of 2014, maybe 13 actually, because the summer of 2014, I was living somewhere else. Yeah, because I, I think you. it was right before you left you Chicago. Were you leaving Chicago when I met you? Is that I right? Think you were leaving Chicago when I met you. That's probably right. I um, left Chicago in the early fall 2014. Okay. And okay. we met, it had to have been 2013. We met on that back porch deck. Yep. Yep. And so when I, now, were you going through an awakening yet? Or were you, because yeah, you were doing so nutrition stuff, right? I was, I, I found my path in, in 2012, which feels very 
Mayan prophecy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was living a very Chicago life, long-term partner, apartment, corporate job. I worked in digital marketing and I, I realized there was more and I found yoga. I knew very quickly that this would be something that I needed and that I would be good at. Right, that this would be an avenue for me to um, find find who I am, and then would be an avenue for me to be able to express that. So I started there, and uh, in addition to that, I had gotten really, really into urban gardening and growing food. I was reading tons of books on homesteading, which was really not something that was interesting to me before 2012, but I got really into it. <laughs> Um, I was I, 2012. I also went through this really big um, period of apathy. I think that was when the Occupy New York thing happened, if you remember that. And I think that was when I really realized that it's changing the system is is <laughs> a massive undertaking. And I just felt very disappointed by activism and the news and politics. And I just became really disenchanted. And that's when I got into growing food and taking care of my body and my health. And so it was kind of a perfect storm. And then I, um, I was representing a massive beverage company. We can all think about what beverage company that might be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I really learned a lot about the bureaucracy and the, the heavy handedness of, uh, you know, mass produced food and fake food. And that sparked me for, going to school to do nutrition and health coaching. And so by the time I met you, I had just sort of ventured off onto my own. I think I was building my first website, my coaching practice. I was a new yoga teacher. And so to me, when I met you, you were the most, for lack of a better term, like far out person that I had met. I mean, I was still, you know, drinking every night, doing Second City, like that I, I, and I don't, I mean, I say it like to be silly, but also at the same time, like I hadn't met anybody like you. I hadn't met like, um, especially cause I think before any of us are like familiar with these tools, it doesn't feel practical. Meaning you don't know like other like living, like breathing people that are like, um, implementing these tools and principles and practices. Um, so I remember being like, whoa, she like moves differently. Do you know what I mean? And which is interesting because it was still like in such like the beginning of your journey, but I just, mm -hmm. I remembered like taking note of that where, um, you know, just literally like the way you vibrate is different. I mean, again, I was around all comedians and we all just vibrate like this, you know, just nonstop all the time. So of course I was like, oh, that, that woman seems in her body. Um, and then, and then I met up with you again in LA and that would have been, I don't, I think you had moved, you were fully doing, um, oh, it's because I came to a yoga nidra class. Right. So it had to have been, it would that, have been early 2018. Yes. Because this mm -hmm. was when I, I got sober and I had my spiritual awakening yeah. and we went with a mutual friend at the time. And I remember leaving the yoga nature class. And like, I mean, I went on like a full journey and I remember coming to, and I was like, 
you know, total. And then my other friend that I was like, that's just, yeah. And my other friend was just like, okay, where are we going to get brunch? And I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't just like see your soul self, like swimming in sapphires. Like, what are you talking about? Um, that one always works. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. It's I, I, again, I say this kind of jokingly, but at the same time, I feel like that experience visually was so transformative for me that I find even still when I join you for yoga nidra practices, I have to kind of bring my mind to the present moment because I'm always wanting to almost in a sense, like chase mm-hmm. that, like that. that experience because it really was just like, um, I think it was the first time for me of like feeling my expansiveness yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes the path, the spiritual path can be like that. It can become just what other things can be this chasing the high of it or chasing the transcendence of it. And so there's always that beginner's mind that's so important every time we lay down or we practice something that this is a new experience. I'm a new person. I love that. Well, and I feel like to, I talk about this a lot where, so like a lot of what I want to do with like, um, with my tools and sharing people and sharing with people is simply the practicality of spiritual connection. So I think, you know, to, to speak to what you're saying of there's, there's this idea of like chasing this high or almost, and this is like my judgment, right. But like living so far out where it's like, Right. But you're, you're not on a different plane. You are on planet earth. So like, how can you ground yourself in this human experience? I'm also a big fan of believing that and living as though this is a spiritual experience. There's like the, you know, the throwaway of like, oh, we're just spiritual beings having a human experience. I'm like, this is also a very spiritual experience. I feel like that's a very easy way to write away some of the sacredness of being human. Yeah, totally. I think that your point of when I met you, I hadn't met someone like you. What you said is that so often spirituality becomes almost a caricature. It's someone who's floating and, you know, uh, very ungrounded and who's really has a, a disconnected relationship with the ground, with reality, with, you know, paying taxes and paying bills and and all these things. So sometimes it can be really unrelatable and yet it can alleviate so much suffering in the practical world to begin to understand yourself in, in more expansive ways while also still valuing the reality of the human existence. And I think we live in this interesting time, or at least in my community, there's this dialogue around, you know, creating heaven on earth and, you know, finding this, blissful heaven and to me i think that that can be really alienating because it's through the the bitterness and the suffering that we do gain wisdom that we do um kind of ascend or quantum leap or whatever the right terminology is of the day it's it's the opportunity to really face ourselves and transcend what for a lot of us isn't even ours it's what we may be inherited or what's cultural or well, you know what's embedded in, in the ethos of the world that we're living in i 100% i love all of that because i also think that's something that's really 
interesting about, I know that people have always had spiritual businesses, but obviously we're seeing like a huge influx of it. And even people that are right, there's like um, a new term is like, I'm a conscious CEO, or mm. I coach people to be conscious CEOs or things like that, that um, even though some of these words tend to get like commandeered a little bit, but it's like, I'm also like, that's fine. At least you're talking about it. At least there's some sort of awareness of what these words mean. Um, so I'm okay with it. But I do think that like spiritual businesses and things like that are also really great. Kind of what you were talking about of like, yeah, you got to pay taxes. You know, you got to learn how to do an LLC. You know, are you an S corp? Like, what are you, you know? And, and, and I think those, those practical grounded tools are also where, like what you were saying, where we gain most of our wisdom. Like I, I find now that um, a lot of what, I, I was sharing about this on a solo episode recently where I was like, I almost got so grounded for a couple months that I like, um, I felt as though I'd lost touch with like my daily spiritual practices. But then I was like, oh, but I also was implementing what I had been, hearing for so long. Like I'd been, you know, meditating and all this stuff. And it was like, here's all these things you're going to do. Well, of course we love to dream about it. That's way more interesting than actually having to like set up the LLC or set up, you know? And so there's something very teachable and earnest about the groundedness of our work and the groundedness of being human and I don't know, I've just kind of fallen in love with that idea recently. Like I've noticed I look at people differently. Like I'm like, oh, isn't that so interesting that that's like where you've ended up out of like all the things that have happened to you and have shaped you. Like that's almost now where sometimes if I look at people, I feel like I can see like an index of them. So you kind of see like everything that brought them to that kind of present wow. moment. Um, and it's given me a deeper appreciation, I think, for just people in general and the ability to slow down and really see people rather than being like, well, why don't you believe what I believe? Right. I mean, I think that why don't I believe what they believe? And that, that may be more of a valuable question for self-reflection, right? Well, why don't I believe that? Or maybe I do. And I think curiosity to me that's what I teach if you were to look at everything that I do I teach curiosity because I think mm. curiosity has more potential for healing than anything because mm. when we start to put ourselves on a mountaintop and say that we know how to you know figure we figured it all out well where's to me where's the life in that um and I'm I'm someone who has literally put herself on many mountaintops. <laughs> I'm usually miserable on the mountaintop. I like to be amongst the people. I like to be apparently in my struggle because I still struggle. And I think that um, you know, there's there's so much to learn through the the grit and the grind of life, and it doesn't have to mean that there isn't this potential for leaping and for things to manifest really fast or any of that, but it's like, is it worth it? I think you had a, a post on this recently about, is it worth it to manifest a pair of jeans? Like, is that what we're going to use our um, privileged superpower on? Right. And, and so sometimes 
Yeah, but I also manifest a pair of jeans when I take $150 out of my bank account and I pay for them. That's right. manifesting a pair of jeans. Right. So I think, you know, when, when we're talking about even business, I didn't really start to make the money that could support me until I started to put structure into my business, until I got my LLC going, my second LLC actually, until I put scheduling systems in place and I got a bookkeeper it was when I started to take myself seriously that I really stepped into the vibration of success, the vibration of a conscious CEO. Otherwise, I was just saying it and crossing my fingers. And, you know, I was recently looking over some of my financial books from a couple of years ago. And I, I'm pretty, um, you know, one of my hacks or one of my tools to um, really that I've used to grow my income is just to write down every single time money comes into my field, whether it's my mom sending me $20 or a client booking something with me or um, anytime that there is money coming into my life, I'll write it down. And I found that when I do that consistently, I watch those numbers grow. And um, so I was looking over a couple of years ago and I was just like, wow, I was living a beautiful life then. And I, I really wasn't making the money that could have supported me realistically in the way that I need to live now, which is still a pretty monk type of life. I still, you know, live pretty humbly. But I think, you know, we make it work. But if we really want to step into being able to provide and being able to make an impact, it does take putting our feet on the ground and committing to the path that we're on and the work that we're building. I love that. I love the idea of like, teaching through curiosity, because I think I was just making a video before we popped on where I was like, um, putting yourself out there is just being curious about your potential. It's just flirting that. with the ability for someone else to say yes. And, that. you know, in all the smallest ways recently, I feel like I'm like, okay, if typically, and I actually, oddly, I credit this to like, um, I've been going back to the gym and being physically active has helped my Me mental too. health. I mean, I know it's so simple. If like I went to the hey, gym and it, we forget, <laughs> I'm, I'm still like, remembering. I mean, honestly, like I left the gym today. One of my trainers was like, Hey, just want to let you know, like you're really getting a lot stronger. And like, um, you know, like your face looks thinner. Like, I really hope that you're proud of all your progress. And I go, honestly, I haven't even looked at my body. I've been just like leaving here and being like, Oh, thank God. I'm not actually depressed. I just had like built up Straight crap up. in my body and, um, you know, sure. Getting stronger or, you know, like feeling more, um, you know, by our trash beauty standards, attractive or whatever is great. Sure. But really what pushes me to go is when I leave, I feel better. And I, I'm just no longer in a position where if I know there's something that works, then I want to do that thing. Like, I think especially because now I'm almost on like, I think it'll be five years in January of no booze. Amazing. And yeah, which is great. But it's like, there are days where it's like, I just think in my head where it's like, wow, it, I think the reason that I did, I loved booze so much is like, it worked. Like if I didn't want, I mean, it was all very subconscious. It wasn't until the very end that I was consciously like, you know, drinking to nod out. I didn't know I was doing that for a long time, but now I'm like, oh yeah, no wonder because it works like a charm. Absolutely. So that's where I have to hold myself accountable with fitness. Cause it's like, yeah, if I go and exercise that crap out of my body, 
I feel better. So if I have a solution that works the same to the same um, effectiveness, essentially that alcohol did, like I have to take it, you know? So anyway, that's just about yeah, I mean, self expand your options and expand the options. And we're more likely to make a, a, a better choice or a different choice. Exactly. Right? If you only have the one thing and it, it does work, cigarettes work, taking a deep breath and inhaling consciously. Yeah. That's what yoga is. That's what cigarettes are. Well, that you're the one that I think I've told you this, but that's the thing that when I quit smoking, that kept me to quit smoking was, I remember, I think it was that same yoga nidra trip. Yeah. And, um, I, somehow you were sharing that and you were like, yeah, if you just think about it, because the nicotine doesn't calm you down, that's a stimulant. So it's really just that you're taking five to seven minutes to deep breathe. And I was like, oh my God, that's the most <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, literally like, I just remember being like, this is going to change the course of my life. Um, and yeah, I quit smoking cold Turkey. And that was, I mean, which is still, we were talking about ribbons earlier. It's still astonishing to me that yeah, I think I should get a ribbon totally. once a month, but it's like, it was the hardest thing I've ever quit. But um, the reason I shared all that was fitness, you know, when the way that we uh, do it at this one gym, it's a high intensity workout. So you're, you're counting down by seconds. And so I've really been able to teach myself of like, if I can do something at 30 seconds, I can certainly do it at 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. So it feels the same way of this curiosity of, what is my potential, right? Or, or what else could I do if I, if I know I can do 30 seconds, whatever that means, right? And I can do 10 seconds. So I, I really love that idea of teaching through curiosity because that's really where I'm just playing with, you know, I guess the co-creation with the universe right now. Like, okay, I'm gonna follow this thing that I feel I'm supposed to be doing, but like, let's make it a little fun. It doesn't have to be about like this step, then this step, then this step, you know? like. How can we have a little bit of fun? Yeah, and always asking what else is possible. Right? And sometimes we have to put down some things or make choices that we realize aren't the right choices in order to get more clear on what it is that we do want. Sometimes we are in the wrong relationship and we realize, oh, this are, these are the things that I need in a partnership. And it wouldn't be unless we had that wrong relationship that we had it or that six months off of fitness that we realized okay actually being a human is about basics is about creating some sort of rhythm and taking care of ourselves in a really simple way that's been such a big lesson for me this season is the simplicity of mental health take care of myself sleep move my body make my diet more simple. All of these things, they add up and they create momentum. I love that. As I just think about, for me, I'm like, I'd be a much nicer person if I just did less caffeine. I already know, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing to me more insane than it's like when you already know it doesn't work, Mm, but then it doesn't work for you. You know? Yeah. It's just out of that. I mean, I can have like a cup of coffee when I Mm. wake up in the morning, but then to continue drinking it as though Mm. it's like, you don't, you don't need it like at all. So just, I'm really intrigued and like this, um, this idea of our simple, basic human needs, I think, especially because they nourish our body and our soul, which then to me really 
you know, leads our mind. I mean, there's so much, I feel like these, you know, we talk about shifting habits and things to like change your neuro pathways and things like that to like really change. And I think so much of it just lives in our body. Absolutely. And, you know, in the, in the early 1900s, we started to change our thinking from thinking about all of us as one being into breaking our bodies up into little units. So there's, you know, your nervous system, and then there's your endocrine system, and then there's your circulatory system. And so then the way that we started thinking about everything was in little units, not interconnectedness, when in reality, your nervous system influences your endocrine system, which influences the chemicals that you're releasing, which influences the emotions that you feel and the actions that you take. And so when we move out of thinking of things as separate units and thinking about this whole system, well, when I do push my body in a high intensity way, I feel better. My mental health is better. I'm breathing bigger. I, you know, become more aware of these muscles. I can feel them then when I'm picking up my kid, there's all these ways that we are it, it touches everything. And that is learning how to take care of yourself in the way that's authentic to each and every one of us. Why, why do you think it's so hard for us to do the things we know that make us feel better? Well, I think it's very profitable, profitable for us to not do the things that make us feel better. So, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on my soapbox a little bit. I think please, that it's, please. you know, it's a it's a symptom of capitalism and the patriarchy and you know think about all of us in our deep worthiness you have everything you need are you going to buy that are you going to have an amazon account if you have everything that you need how many books do all of us listening have right now on our shelves mm-hmm. that we haven't read but we were like i need this book and i i want to write a book one day i love books and i hope i read all the books that i have but there is a drive for more that we have and maybe that's instinctual and human but i think that it it continues to be capitalized on um and i you know as the woman with the marketing degree i have been having this conversation with many people that the whole world is marketing now. I mean, you have to market yourself to get a date. You have to market yourself to get a get an Uber. <laughs> you have to yeah. market yourself for just about anything. I mean, your credit score itself is marketing. And so um, everything is is about how you stand and how you buy. And so if that's the framework that we're really looking at things, then not good enough or not enough becomes something that drives us. And I, so I've, I've felt recently where I was like, I don't think, and it's interesting when you're talking earlier about Occupy and it was where you really realized how massive these systems are and what, what would it actually take in order to break them down to create new systems. And I think, especially now with having a child and, you know, there's all this talk of like, well, why would you want to have a kid right now? It's like the world's falling apart. And I'm like, well, you're welcome to have that narrative. I don't believe that. Um, Frankly, I feel like in the same way you were talking about earlier of like on a personal level, sometimes we have to learn the same lesson way too many times. We have to go to the top of the hill too many times to fall the way down. We're doing that as a collective. I mean, you can, it's same horse, different jockey with the economy, with, you know, all the things that are happening. It's like insert war here. 
I'm not saying that to take away from the severity of it. I'm simply saying it's actually something that we could fix. It's, it's not like, I think that's what I feel in a nutshell is like my biggest calling is I just want to wake up everybody to the infrastructure of what's happening. And then you can decide how you want to play the game. But until you realize that you are in the Sims and then you can decide, you know, if we live in a over-capitalistic patriarchal society for now, how do you want to show up? You know, and how, how do you want to make an impact? And maybe you're like, hey, we do want to have an Amazon account because we've got a lot of stuff coming in, but we also want to only buy all of our groceries from like our local farmer's market or, right. you know, like finding those ways in which you don't get so overwhelmed and so, you know, empathetic in a sense that like you don't do anything, right? Yeah, it's and just, I think, you know, intention is such a big part of it that it's absolutely fine to listen, you can do whatever you want. I think that's, you know, my, my perspective is that I don't want to be the person that's forcing anyone to change. However, how much can I influence conscious decision-making and curiosity of what makes us possibly be buying or investing in the ways that we are and to see the system, to see the systems, and then to ask questions about it. That might be where somebody is starting and i think there's plenty of people who don't want to see that and i also think part of my work with astrology is i look at really long periods of time and humans are incredibly resilient and in certain ways we've been here before and so knowing that that in our dna is this destruction this these destructive tendencies where can we wake up and choose differently and choose collaboration and community against the grain because there's a lot of forces that really would prefer that not be the choice that we make well that's what's so interesting to me though too because i've talked about this a lot in my stand-up where i'm like you know everybody's tired of holding up the wall right you know, where I'm like, everybody's like, we're so divided with this or that. It's like, whatever wall you're holding up, your arms are still really tired. Like, yeah. you know, that idea of like the need to be destructive and, and, you know, I'm certainly not like a Pollyanna and I think we're humans and we're multifaceted and we're complicated, but I do think kind of those, what you're talking about of, of simple systems that make us feel better personally we could make those simple changes on a collective level. The reason, again, the powers that be are not interested in that, they're not interested in simple solutions. But in reality, they, you know, we don't have to like burn down everything and do it again. Right. We can make slight you know, changes here and there that will affect our overall well-being and longevity. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I see that playing out over this year and next year a lot in, in what I research in the astrology and the cycles that we're sort of moving through and, and, and learning to not destroy the whole just because one piece isn't working, right? It, where does that, where does that get us? And what do we learn from doing that? That, I think that that's my other, you know, with language, like um, anything of like 
defund or destruct or abolish all of that. I understand the impact of that, but I, I'm finding too, it's like, well, we have to make sure that like, are we all aware of why we're doing this? Do we know why these systems weren't working? Because if we don't get to the root of why they're not working, we're just gonna cycle and do this thing all over again. And you know, that's also where I just bump up against myself too, which is like, all you can do, Rachel, is stand in your power and from your highest self and share. But it doesn't mean that people are going to listen or that people are interested in, you know, like what you said, you're like, I'm not here to change anybody. I'm just here to offer you some different ways of doing things. Yeah. And I think I, I aim to do that in a practical way so that it can be less, you know, crystally and way out there because that's not authentic to me. And that's not authentic to the people that I end up relating to the most anyway. And I think that the more that we can have conversations like this in in a practical way, in channels that reach maybe that person that is where you were at, however many years ago, 10 years ago, um, and just be this little light that, that then gets passed on of, wow, that person feels different to be around. To me, that's that's the spark that helped me, That that's part of the spark that helped you. And it it takes us away from this, humans are destructive and we're all just gonna, you know, jump off the mountain anyway, and maybe offers a little bit more opportunity for dialogue of, you know, how do we work together? And I think that that's something that is happening in a conversation. I think it could be happening in a bigger way of, you know, where are we actually having the same conversation, but we've just been turned against each other or turned away from each other. And that's where curiosity comes in for me is, you know, I think when we start to block the ability to say, where are we on the same page? Or instead of why are you like this? Maybe we ask what makes you think that? And we just start to observe our own responses to things and other people's and we try to find a common ground. I love that. I love yeah. that. We're also creative and I, you know, I think Sometimes I have to remind myself that there's someone else who probably has a solution that's going to save me a lot of time. Mm. <laughs> that's you, right? Like, I always think about, you know, the value of my time and the value of my energy. And that's been a big game changer for me. And I think, you know, to come back to that worthiness question, when we're all really feeling like my opinion, my perspective, my background has worth, my feelings about this have worth, and we start to really have grounded conversations from a place of worthiness, uh, that becomes, I think a lot of things become a lot more relatable. But many of the times we're acting from our wounds or we're acting from a place that we don't feel fully embodied in. Um, and that's something, you know, we've talked about in some of the sessions we've we've had around expanding your capacity to hold more, expanding your context, the context of your life, right? And even with um, fitness and health, that's part of the reason why I move my body and I lift weights is so that I can feel stronger, so that I can hold the heavy things. Uh, really being aware of what you're putting in your body. It wasn't until I was like, oh, I have to heal my entire system. Like food is going to be so paramount as to how I feel. 
And um, so I just share that because uh, we've been getting some like snacks in our poultry and seafood and stuff from Thrive Market. I don't know if you've ever utilized Thrive. Yeah. Anyway, we have all of these giant boxes now that, yeah, my son has been playing in for hours. And when you talked about having too many things, like too many books, and I was like determined, I was like, I'm not going to be the house that's overrun with toys. This child does not need a million toys, but he has three sets of grandparents. And on his first birthday, there were so many toys in my living room that I already went around and packed some up. And I was like, for toys for tots at Christmas time, we're going to be donating these because there's, you know, I'm like, I could literally take a fourth of this and he would be more than fine. Like we're going to be happy with a box. Yeah. Well, he was, that's why I was like, the whole thing. Cause it was like, he played with a box for, you know, an hour and a half on my lunch break today. It's like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, my nephew has little apartments all over the house, little boxes, <laughs> and his, you know, his toys hang in and they had a, they have a pretty strict book only rule, which, Ooh. which also means they have ev- so many books. Yep. Right. So, well, music has been a big one in our house, which I love. So like, just, you know, there's some toys where like right now he's got a lot of like farmhouse animals and stuff like that. And it's like, those are kind of basic building blocks of like yeah. learning about the world. So things like that, where I feel like, but there's just some toys where they're just like make noise or whatever for the purpose of doing so. I'm like, yeah, we don't need this. Okay. But music is huge. We have so many musical instruments okay. now because he just naturally has really taken to them um that's exciting and who doesn't love more like music in their home I mean when you talk about curiosity really seeing it's like really slowed me down in a way that I was like not expecting which is like you know for me if I'm not being conscious I'll just like bulldoze through my day and for my son, just like leaving his room to come downstairs, we've got to stop and look at this thing. We got to look at this thing, you know? And so, yeah, remembering of like, you know, when you talk about kind of the mundaneness of our lives, the, you know, the paying of taxes, the getting groceries, picking up your dry cleaning, like those things. But sometimes it's really easy for me to want to like bulldoze through those moments and be like, oh, we're going to wait till like something cool and spiritual happens or, you know, I win something or, you know, and so it's been nice to have that kind of reminder to slow down. Yeah. I mean, kids teach the curiosity innately. It's they're discovering their feet. Then they're discovering them. Their calves are strong enough to walk. And (laughs) what is this bug is everything is new. And what if we were to, I think, you know, pay attention in a similar way. When I stop doing that and I start bulldozing, I lose my grip. My mental health suffers. I start having really big waves of emotions. I don't, you know, feel right. I get snappier. It's, it's like I lose the the smell of the roses because I stopped smelling them. What do you, so what brought you to kind of having this um, thesis statement in a sense for what you want to share with people, this idea of curiosity? Like, do you feel like you've always been a super curious person or how did you kind of come to that place of like where you're teaching from that place? Well, I think I'm a Gemini rising and Gemini's (laughs) are the teachers of curiosity. So there's a little bit of that natural curiosity in my life. 
I think it's saved me in a lot of ways. I think it's helped me become a more open person who could have um, loftier conversations or more humble conversations. Um, I think that I, I credit so much of my life. I think I was raised by curious people who didn't give me answers and gave me a lot of freedom. Um, and so I, I sort of never was, it's not that I never was told, no, that's not true, but I was really offered the gift of exploring my life and not feeling owned by my parents. Um, and because of that love, I, I think I always felt safe enough to kind of try things. Um, my first word was hot because I put my hand on a barbecue. So oh, no. that's the only way you learn is to be curious. So, you know, I think a, a spiritual astrologer's answer would say it's in my chart, but um, it's it just seems to be the path that I've chosen is a, one of inquiry, one of asking, because the moment you think you know something is usually when you might realize there's a whole lot more you don't know that you in fact really don't know anything right truth with a capital t and truth with a lowercase t are very different things hmm do you so so typically you do and like in your practice you do astrology readings for people to offer them practical tools for navigating through their life? Yeah, I do. So I do single readings with people, which is a, a portion of what I do. And in those sessions, I'm, you know, I've had the feedback from people or I've been described by close friends to other people that I'm not the astrologer who's going to tell you what to do. You should do this on this date. I, I look at the energy at play and I, I share, you know, here's a spectrum of ways that this can show up. And here are ways you might, you know, be acting on tendencies that are not really supporting you. And here are ways that you could try it. Um, here are inquiries that you can ask. I always ask a ton of questions um, because again, I think that that's really where there is the most growth. And then I've been um, currently wrapping up a teacher training, which is a yoga nidra and I incorporate some astrology and I bring in some business perspectives and that's really been so beautiful to work with people who are eager and hungry to be guides themselves or deep in their own offerings and to teach something that is uh, so special. If you've never practiced yoga nidra, you might not know how special it is, but it's such a special state of consciousness. And that itself is, it's the opening to the subconscious mind. And that's a field of infinite possibility, which is infinite curiosity. And I think maybe that was sort of my deep dive into being this, um, being this type of teacher. And so this training has really taught me so much about um, how learning, uh, learning these very grounded tools, like step one, step two, step three, step four, can really be so transformative. And of course, that's been, been my journey too. And um, I'm, you know, I'm really excited about some of my coaching offerings too, because that just gives me the chance to bring astrology into more of a long-term relationship so that it's less of this is who you are mm -hmm. and more of in what ways does this feel aligned with who you are and in what ways is this not working for you? And then we can really kind of get on the ground floor and investigate the many different aspects of who we are. That's interesting. 
So where do, do you feel like, and maybe not, sometimes I have to be careful because I always just assume that everybody's like, I'm going to build it, then it's going to get bigger and then I'll do this thing. But I know at least it, or what I, maybe I'm projecting this onto you, but I've seen you do a lot of different things. You do these really cool retreats. Um, are you guys doing, is that the one day retreat that you're doing coming up? Yep. I'm doing okay. a day long retreat in Laguna beach, yeah. Mexico retreat coming up. Yeah. So I know like implementing that and then kind of doing, uh, some one-on-one -on -one coaching and, uh, and, you know, now teaching teachers to teach and all of these different aspects. I mean, even that's what I enjoy so much about being able to join in on your new moon or full moon circles is I feel like there's always, uh, it doesn't feel like one, um, it doesn't feel like one uh, practice. It feels like there's a lot of different, like we do a little bit of journaling. I love, um, selfishly, I love when there's like less people because I'm always interested to hear what other people are going through as well. So being able to like hear their journeys. Hold on, I'm going to take him out of the pen. One second. Good, yeah. Uncaged the animal. My God. Thank you for being patient with me. Of course. Um, you gotta be patient with moms. Uh, so selfishly, what I really love about is when there's less people, because I always really like hearing what everybody is experiencing, because it also just reminds me that whatever I'm going through isn't like the end all be all. <laughs> like, I feel like sometimes it's like, especially sometimes if I look at things, like I'm like, I have to figure this out. It's like, no, you don't. You can also just like experience it. So I really love that about being mm. able to join you on those circles is I feel like you bring a lot of yourself and a lot of your own tools into these circles for kind of all of us to really implement and integrate and enjoy. Um, plus it always slows down my nervous system. So I love it. Uh, what do you feel like, is there anything either like you feel like is wanting to come forward in your personal life or maybe something that's like wanting to come forward in your business that you feel like you might be expanding into? I've been really focused this year, uh, 2022 on getting a foundation beneath me professionally. Um, I'm blessed to have the work that I do. I feel like it's in all of the challenges that life presents itself, knowing what I want to do for a living and being able to support myself doing it is not one of the core issues that I have. And I think that's a major blessing for me. Um, but I, I am always looking to refine and get more organized or more clear. Um, I really see that over the next year that there'll be more of a flow that I organize around. I love doing retreats. I love doing teacher trainings. I like doing courses and classes. And so it's been challenging to um, know what direction to go in. And I think I've really surrendered to feeling like I have to pick one and instead really think about the life cycle and the cycles of everything, because that's ultimately a big part of what I teach is that 
we are all going through many cycles at the same time, whether it be a month cycle like the moon or you know, a year cycle with the sun or seasonal cycle, all of that. And so um, more flow is something that's important to me. And then personally, really getting grounded. I've had a lot of movement over the last whew, five years. I, I hesitate to even say I've moved more than 15 times in five years. Oh <laughs> I have packed a lot uh, and it's been a blessing. I've seen the world. I have uh, lived in incredible places. I've opened my heart in really big ways, but I'm really tired of the suitcase life and the nomad life. Um, many of those moves, moves have been in the same city, but I'm really ready to put my name on a piece of paper and you know, just hang up my coat literally for a period of time, which doesn't mean I don't travel, but I had a good friend say to me, you know, people travel and have homes. <laughs> because my story is always like, well, I'm going to Mexico in October and maybe I'll go for three weeks. And so it doesn't make sense to sign a lease because I'll be traveling or I'm going to do this retreat in Ecuador in February. And so it just ends up being short term engagements to get me through. And I am excited to see how my work and my clarity grow and deepen in having having a place so that's really my personal mission over the next few months i love that well and that was you know with choosing to move here to atlanta was so much of that where i was like there's so much in me that wants to grow and wants to come forth and you know not to mention raising a family and i was like just I really also felt like, all, you know, like when you have a really good conversation and then you go past the point where the conversation was over and then it's like, well, I guess we're just going to do this for a little bit, you know, like you've overstayed your welcome in that thing. Yes. That was where I was like, if we stay in LA, we will have hit that point where it was mm. time for us to go with it. We were getting this out and then we, you know, chose to overstay and, you know, as scary as it always is to do something different, whether that's to leave or, you know, potentially in your case of like to just root down somewhere. It's like, I said that to somebody recently, I said, you know, I haven't always left on time, but I've never left too late. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's relationships that I maybe should have left a little bit earlier, but once I knew that it was really time to go, I got myself, you know, out of whatever said situation it, it was. And so that's just a way to I guess this is more just like, a, here's the thing about me. Um, but I, I think sometimes we're just so hard on ourselves that I've had to remember that okay. too, of like, that's a huge, you know, I think sometimes we get this narrative of like, you know, I'm practicing self-love because I didn't love myself or this or that. And it's like, no, I think that's, you know, sometimes we just need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves, but in this idea of grounding, it's almost bizarre because I'm in this new place where I'm like, everything feels so stable. Like that's where I'm like, oh, is that this feeling? Cause to me, I'm identifying it as boring, but I'm like, oh no, no, the feeling is stability. That's what you're feeling right now. Yeah, stability. Also not as profitable <laughs> as a highly activated nervous system. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so enriching. Yeah, I love I love what you say too. Is that what if we were to reframe this concept of self love and self care not as I 
I'm trying to change something that's wrong, but I'm trying to deepen my capacity to love myself. I've always loved myself well. Sometimes I did love myself through numbing out in certain ways. Sometimes I still do. Sometimes loving myself in the past did mean, you know, drinking a lot and going dancing. And now I move my body in a different way. I nourish my body in a different way. But to not, you know, make ourselves wrong in order to change, I think is really um, important. Well, that's such a gift that you've given me, which is just the gift of language. I feel like, you know, it's all just perspective, but I do think that our language makes such a difference. And sometimes I feel, I mean, like I feel lame sometimes of like, really choosing my language to reflect what I really mean. But at the same time, even if I'm talking with somebody and I can tell if like my language, like they're like, that's weird. I don't know what that means. At the same time, I'm like, but you do know what it means. And that's why you're having a response of like, oh, this is weird because you know what I mean because I'm genuinely saying what it is that I mean. And, you know, I think that's such a beautiful thing of, you know, yeah, it's like, it's not that I didn't love myself. I was doing the best I could then. So my tools were also different. My ability, the way in which I nurtured myself was different. And, you know, that's why it's so much of like, you know, um, survival in, you know, traumatic experiences or whatever. It's like, whatever you did to choose to survive, that also was a tactic of loving yourself in order to be in whatever situation that you're in. And I don't mean trauma in the sense of something that had to be traumatic, but meaning something that was just too much for your nervous system. And you, right, and you knew, flooded. you know, yeah. Or it was like, you didn't know a better way of, of moving forward. Um, yeah, love that. I love your wisdom. Well, thanks. You too, my friend. I know you, I, I didn't see a lot of people before we left, but I was so grateful that we, we got to spend time together and you gifted me, um, a beautiful amethyst that's now sitting in a porcelain hand at my front door. Oh, so yeah. And I, I got Jonah on the beach for the first time. Yes, you did. Mer mermaid, the mermaid <laughs> way. <laughs> I know it's so funny now. Cause I'm, I'm excited to take him, um, you know, at some point, like back to LA and really be able to kind of like explore and do more stuff outdoors. Yeah. She's just, you know, so little, I've also learned, I was like, baby babies, not really my favorite. Like, so like, I was like, oh, maybe I'm just like in postpartum. And that's why it's like, oh no, like now I feel like when we interact, like we were like, we're together, we're seeing things. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. Like, good. This is just so much better than, you know, waking up at four in the morning and being like, oh, I don't There's know where cute blob. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, geez. Um, yeah. Good. I'm glad you have your feet underneath you and you two are growing together. Thanks. Yeah. It's really special. It's, it's uh, definitely a sacred time. So I'm doing everything I can to kind of stay, stay present for it. Um, do you feel like there, um, would you, do you have any interest in sharing with us kind of the, the current, um, like overall astrology, or is there anything you kind of want to leave us on? Yeah, well, we're talking now, um, about halfway through July and July is a pretty big month astrologically. One of the bigger ones that we've been looking at this year is, quite pivotal. So on the very last day of July and the first day of August, we have this uh, conjunction, which is when two planets sort of come together in the same constellation at the same degree between Mars, Uranus and the North Node, which is 
um, a pretty powerful coming together, Mars being sort of the masculine force of action and drive um, can be quite explosive, can have a, you know, uh, anger in its spectrum and uh, discipline as well, uh, drive really. And then Uranus, which is a instantaneous awakening, it's sort of a flash of insight, it's uh, electrical current, it's the internet, it's very buzzy, it's our nervous system. And then the North Node, which is a, a point of energy that really um, kind of marks where we're evolving collectively at any given time. And so all three of them coming together in Taurus is um, there's a lot of potential for things to sort of speed up through the rest of July in order for this um, sort of pivotal moment of awareness coming through. I mean, on one end of the spectrum, we can see that personally as like, uh, many different things coming together and finally having a revelation of what it is that you're working towards or what change is necessary to make um, on a collective level it can um, really kind of be this uh, coming together of people certainly of um, really taking collective action there's a whole bunch of things that could happen that um, might not be as delicious or um, <laughs> inspiring but Ultimately, you know, to leave you on a little astrology insight, it's really, really important for us through July to really practice self-compassion, so much of what we've talked about, and to really allow for whatever is coming up to the surface not to be anything that we're trying to push down or push away, but we're trying to feel through and we're trying to really recognize we're doing our best. And so maybe if there's a particular situation that's arising in your life that would require an uncomfortable conversation. Remember, it's only uncomfortable because you're new at it. And we all have to go through an obnoxious phase when we you know, have to stand up for ourselves or ask for what we need or you know, honor our boundaries. And so to be compassionate and then to also not hide and to allow this to be a month that really changes the game. I think it's important to remember that we're only um, halfway through the year and sometimes i personally get to july and i think like oh i can't can't go on it's over and then you know you get a second wind and oftentimes you know august through december a lot happens a lot can happen a lot of big things can happen we're moving in the zodiac from this time from aries to leo of deep personal work a lot of personal confrontation and then from virgo to capricorn it's really about let's do something about it let's build something let's envision a different way let's um let's come together let's be in relationship with each other and so considering even just from now until the end of the year it's a much more collaborative growth oriented energy and so be compassionate with wherever you are at right now and and let that compassion emanate into your relationships too because there's one thing that i keep getting feedback on is that every single person is going through so much right now. And sometimes that can feel isolating or lonely because maybe our support system can't fully be there in the way that we want them to, but it can also really show us that we can, you know, collectively support each other and that, you know, the love is still there, even if the conditions of relating are shifting. Thank you. I had to put my hands to my heart. That is, I, um, thank you. I just really want to say thank you. I appreciate, 
I appreciate you um, talking to me today. It's always a joy. Like, again, when I join your circles, I'm always like, Rachel, let other people talk. Like there's a lot of self-parenting that happens because I just always want to be like, Julia, how are you? What's going on? I'm so happy to be here. Um, so it's such a treat for me. And, and I just, I really appreciate all of your words and your magic and your um, just just showing up authentically. And I know how much like this conversation means to me and has impacted me. And uh, I just got really tickled at the end where I was like, ah, oh, other people are going to get to hear this. Like, that's oh. so exciting to me, especially with, you know, the astrological outlook. I, I find that a lot of times if people identify astrology as like, I'm a, you know, cancer sun, like there's just so much more of a teaching tool that astrology and, you know, the planets offer us and uh, on something that's a personal and collective level. So just having your expertise and your insight um, is just such a blessing. So I really appreciate Thank it. You. Oh, it's such a gift. And I, you know, want to say that when I go back to that night on the back deck in the Ukrainian village and you felt like I was vibrating at a different level. I just thought you were so cool. I was like, I want a friend like Rachel, of course. She's so confident and cool. And so well thank you. Thank I you appreciate for that special that. night too. Of course, of course. Uh well tell us where can we find you if we're interested in coaching with you. Uh tell us all tell us all the things. Yes. So I go by Julian Elizabeth in pretty much everything. You can find me on Instagram. That's my website, my email address. There's lots of different ways to connect with me. And you can go to my website and read all about my coaching. I have two upcoming retreats right now, one in Laguna Beach. It's a day retreat, so it's really accessible. It's on that specific astrological date that I named. I really want people to be outside and not on their phones, not stuck in the intensity of it, because a day like this can bring anxiety. So let's go hike, let's breathe, let's eat some good food. So that's happening on the 31st of July. And then I have another retreat coming up on this really beautiful land in Mexico. And I have plenty more in the pipeline. So connect with me on Instagram and anybody who listened to this podcast episode with Rachel can uh, sign up for a reading with me and I'm going to share a code that you can use to book a session. Oh my gosh, how exciting. Guys, take her up on it. I'm always reposting some of her stuff whenever anybody asks me about um, meditation practices, things like that. I always, uh, direct people to your yoga Nidra, uh, recordings. Yeah. I'm always like, it's one of, one of my favorite and, uh, I've had the opportunity to work with other folks and I just, um, really, really enjoy working with you. There's just a real depth and openness that I appreciate that you offer to all of us. So thank you so much. I'm sure I will message you later today again, being like, thank you. This was so fun. Um, but I love you so much and I'm so excited for everything that's next for you and your business. Um, and if you find your own kind of personal homestead, we were like, this is where I'm going to be for a little bit. I cannot wait to hear about that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for your wisdom in the conversation and everything you're doing, including being a mama. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>